0: What's up, everybody? This is Gabby and Katie, and this is Building Our Power. Make sure you hit us up on all social media accounts at Building Our PWR. Today, we're going to talk about why the civil rights movement failed.
1: Controversial, but that's what we do. Um, We're going to tie it to 2021. So we know um, that back in the 60s and during the civil rights movement, basically black people had no rights, right? They had nothing, essentially. So, um, really, what our argument here is why electoral politics was not the right avenue, number one, and why electoral politics in 2021 is still not the right avenue. Um, So, you know, during, um, like, now, Gabby, a lot of people say that black people should be voting because their ancestors were harmed. So, can you explain a little bit, like, Who were harming your ancestors and why it was happening? Because I feel like a lot of people, when they say that, they don't really elaborate on what's actually going on and why it's happening. Right.
0: So, uh, yes, you know, always during election time, these ugly black folks, liberals, come over here and tell me that my ancestors were beat and hung and lynched for the right to vote. Like, I don't already know that. Like, I don't already have history up in there. Um, but what they failed to realize is that I have eyeballs, and I have a brain to read and to go back to my uh, kin folks and see where they living at and see that in Mississippi, where they had these huge campaigns to rally people to vote, they're still in poverty. They're still in the same situations. Nothing has changed in 50 years. So, also, when we talk about who was uh, killing the people and beating them, nine times out of ten, it was poor white people in Mm -hmm. the area. That instead of grappling with the fact that, oh, the government is screwing us over too. Let's see how we can uh, create a system or overthrow the government or whatever. We're going to beat these black people because, shoot, I know I'm doing bad, but heaven forbid these black folks even get one inch of a right because then I will have to examine myself and my life and my self-worth and know that I'm a piece of S-H-I-T. So that's pretty much how it is. Um, of course, all context is, is gone when, when when they're trying to guilt right. us into voting. But that's pretty much the dynamics of what it was. And of course, the well, the Democratic Party at that time, which was still racist, was okay with it. And then the Republican Party when it was it was starting to get racist was okay with it as well. Because, so, you know, it's about numbers, the number game.
1: We know that, uh, like obviously they were racist. That's the literal history of America itself. But um what I'm curious kinda about is like who was obviously like they wanted people to vote, right? So who who was it out here that was pushing um, the right to vote and who was the main people that were essentially um, trying to push people in Canton, Mississippi even, to vote.
0: So actually, if you listen to our episode, MLK Was a Sellout, you will not be surprised to know that John F. Kennedy was behind this thing, too. Uh, John F. Kennedy created the Voter Education Project in 1962 Hmm. because, obviously, he got embarrassed about all the race relations stuff, and it was just making bad press on his presidency. So um, what he did is uh, him and Robert F. Kennedy urged civil rights leaders and organizations to engage in voter registration rather than nonviolent direct action demonstration. Unofficially, they convinced several nonprofit foundations to fund voter registration work in the South. The Taconic Field, New World, and Stern Family Foundations agreed to contribute significant funds. To raise, administer, and distribute money, the NAACP, Congress of Racial Equality, Southern Christian Leadership, and SNCC formed the Voter Education Project under the auspice of the nonprofit Southern Region. Regional Council. So pretty much, long story short, John F. Kennedy didn't like the way the stuff was going. He bought them and said, no, y'all going to work on this. This is going to be y'all new project. And that's the trajectory that the Civil Rights Movement took from then on.
1: So you're saying, essentially, the United States government infiltrated that movement from the beginning and tried to calm it down. Once they figured out that black people were about to start doing something, they weren't even doing them. That's the problem. Oh. It wasn't even because of no riots or nothing. He
0: just didn't like that he that the America as a whole was on front page and all this video of black people being hosed and stuff was showing up. So he just wanted them to be like, well, y'all don't do no more sit-ins. Just get the folks registered to vote. There you go.
1: Speaking of sit-ins, so we did actually watch um – we watched a, a video, right, about uh, some of the the marches that happened. And there's this, in, in this video, we'll make sure to link it down below, but in the video there's this white guy who's talking about how he went to one of the marches, and at first he was like, okay, I'm definitely in this, right? Uh, and then eventually it starts getting a little bit serious, okay? And he says, and I quote, It was getting serious. So this is no longer an academic experiment. And I kind of just want to sit on that for a second because it's like, why was people, why was black people asking for rights, asking for humanity, an academic experience to begin with? Like what, what made them think that that was, number one, what made him even think that that was okay? And what made it okay for these campuses to even uh, give these people probably credit for going out and doing that. And that's another thing that we need to hit on, is that when y'all talk about that the white and black working class need to be coming together, I want y'all to go back to the civil rights movement, and I want you to look at what these white people did. Look at what my ancestors did. All we did was we went to these movements as some kind of experiment, as some kind of little push uh. Just to just to see what's going on with the black people, see if we get co-opted, and then from that point, we basically did nothing. Those white people got to go back to their houses. Those white people got to go back and do basically just completely ignore the fact that black people were still being harmed.
0: Yeah, they they working in nonprofits and they CEOs of corporations. I mean, that's the way it goes. Um, So, yes. So now we're coming full circle. So we know now that the United States government used voter registration as a way to quell social unrest in the community and control the civil rights leaders. So, bam. So why in 2021, knowing this knowledge, would I think, oh, yeah. So voting is obviously the way to go, because it's worked for us all these years, and obviously there was innocent intentions from the jump, so definitely voting is the way to go. No, we're going to touch on this on another episode, but specifically know this. The Democrats do not care about your plight as a black American or anybody in general. You are a number, and that's the only reason why they're going to Mississippi now to work on the gerrymandering, which Ann Moody was talking about in the 80s, which been going on. Y'all never cared about Mississippi till now, now that you think y'all can turn it blue like Georgia. So don't come over here and invoking my ancestors when the only thing y'all trying to do is trying to get y'all numbers up Uh, for these presidential elections and all this BS. So I'm over it.
1: Why do they always bring up, here's another, like, this is kind of, it's not really off, but it's not really on either. Why do they always bring up, like, the trauma part of it? You know what I'm saying? Like, that right there in and of itself is a manipulation tactic. Like, that's a way to, like, if you had an abuser, an abuser every single time, They wanted you to do something. Well, do you remember when blah, blah, blah? You better go out there and do it. Like, that's one of those manipulation tactics. Remember when I beat your ass? You better go out there and and Exactly. Like, that's so, that in of itself should tell you that, number one, you should not be repeating that to people uh, whenever you're trying to ask them to vote. And number two, it should tell you, like, a clear indication of the propaganda. The propaganda that's being pushed to you daily in regards to this. Definitely,
0: yes Alright, so we're going to um, Shift it to Anne Moody, the author of Coming of Age in Mississippi Again, I recommend this book to everybody Go read the book immediately And, you know, she was around During the time of SNCC She was over there doing the Summer of Freedom Did a lot of organizing And so she has some quotes on Why she thinks the civil rights movement Failed, and then we're going to discuss it Okay, T, go ahead
1: Yeah, so I'm actually going to be reading a quote from her book, uh, but in order to set the scene for you guys, I just want to give you a little bit of background information. So um, it's June 12, 1963, and in the driveway outside his home in Jackson, Mississippi, African-American civil rights leader Medgar Evers is shot to death by white supremacist Byron D. Beckwith. So um, from here... It goes on, and it's in 1970-something, whenever Ann Moody is writing her book. And this is what she says. She says, After Medgar's death, there was a period of confusion. Each black leader and organization in Jackson received threats. They were all told they were, quote, next on the list. Things began to fall apart. The ministers, in particular, didn't want to be next. A number of them took that long-promised vacation to Africa or elsewhere. Meanwhile, SNCC and CORE, two organizations that she worked with, became more militant and began to press for more demonstrations. A lot of the young black people wanted to let the whites of Jackson know that even by killing off Medgar, they hadn't touched the real core of the movement. For the NAACP and the older, more conservative groups, however— Voter registration had now become number one on the agenda. After the NAACP exerted its influence at a number of strategy meetings, the militants lost. That's crazy to me. But
0: you know why they exerted their uh, authority? Because they were getting their VEP money. They were getting the money. The Voter Education Program money. So there you go. And so they quelled what was coming up, they all right?
1: Ne- they never tell you about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, whenever they talk about, uh, and this just goes back to what we're saying, if we want to bring it back around to 2021, whenever they talk about uh, why people didn't have the option to vote or what happened when people were trying to get get votes, they don't talk about how the NAACP and the conservative groups focus on voter registration as opposed to actually what was happening within white supremacy. Oh, or they they
0: pushed voter registration instead of self-determination. Exactly. They didn't like when Stokely, Stokely Carmichael was saying black power, we have to organize, uh, just pushing black nationalism. That had to be, quelled. no, we're going to play the game in the system. You're going to vote, and then uh, hopefully, I mean, you'll get some change. I don't even think they were promising change. I think they were just saying vote just so you can be a citizen. But... They were voting for trash candidates. Everybody was racist. Everybody was in the KKK. So what's the
1: point? That's what I But I mean,
0: that's kind of like how we are now. Joe Biden, just as racist as Donald Trump, I'm voting just so I can say I'm a citizen and I voted. It's the same thing.
1: And that's another thing that we maybe need to hit on even deeper on another episode is that— voting is not harm reduction it's just not it's not something uh that we need to push but anyway that's for another episode on okay. to ann moody
0: all right so i have another quote uh for, from her about martin luther king she says martin even martin luther king had pushed nonviolence to its very limit when people here became adjusted what did he do He went into Chicago. Then he started going into new areas, doing the same thing, stirring up exactly the same thing. Now, maybe sometimes to do the same thing over and over and over, then what's left behind for the people here? I mean, they're left stuck with it all, organizational-wise, technique-wise, and everything. So, we'll talk about that. Martin Luther King came to Canton, Mississippi. Like I said, all my family on my mom's side is from Canton. Martin Luther King was here. Stokely Carmichael was here. The big wigs was in Canton, Mississippi. We've got video I'm going to link. They had droves of young people marching, fired up. Let's go, let's go, let's go. But all they could give them was vote. You get Now you're registered to vote. Okay, bye. Martin Luther King couldn't do no organizing like that. They were all bought and paid for. The only thing they came in there to do was to vote, Go get you registered to vote so they could get paid. And then they went on to the next thing. That was it. So, Ann Moody also says this. She said, some people get bored with seeing all the marching on television. They would say, oh, just another demonstration and flick it on the Archie Bunker or something. You see what I'm saying? Flick it to some entertainment, or it's just another demonstration and turn the TV off. She said Martin Luther King did raise their consciousness, and it made them aware of certain things where there was never any turning back from that point. But what it didn't do was give them solutions and give them the sort of guidelines and stick with them in the planning. Exactly. They came and they left. It sort of made you see that you didn't have the right to vote. What you could do once you got the right to vote. Even now they're telling me in Canton they have gerrymandered blacks totally out of the power structure, just about. If you're not flexible enough to readapt and readjust to each new situation in a new way, if the game changes, you gotta change. So pretty much what she's saying is by the time uh MLK was about to die, the marching stuff it was already it was already ran its course it was is about to be all the way played out it was about to be all the way drained out
1: no longer effective
0: it was no longer effective okay tell me why in 2021 we we still marching
1: in 2020 we had a huge march why didn't, I don't understand that like i just It's because, again, if we literally look at everything, me and Gabby talked about this previously, but it's because, again, of the propaganda that we are fed. Mm -hmm. From the time that we are in school, from literally, like, kindergarten even... We are fed this propaganda that the U.S. system just keeps pushing and pushing. So not only are we getting it from education system, we're getting it from the media that we watch. We're getting it from uh, corporations that we go into. So it's like, it's it's a constant thing that they're pushing in your brain. So, yeah. yeah. And something that I was thinking about is, okay...
0: When you get a little bit older in school, maybe like middle school, high school, they start to show you certain videos of certain civil rights leaders. Most of the time, Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. But they'll always show the instances in which the black people are just standing there and getting attacked, getting the water holes on them, getting the dolls on them. They'll show you that violence. But when's the last time they showed you the riots of Watts uh people just getting up defending themselves, the black Panthers coming around with their guns, uh making sure the police are You see how there's certain images they're okay with showing us, and so if we're uh brought up in that system. We're thinking, okay, well, Martin Luther King did a lot, supposedly. That's what they tell me. That's why we're not segregated anymore. Mm -hmm. So if I want to recreate the same thing, oh, girl, that's all I got to do. All I got to
1: do is go out there and march, and I'm going to be able to accomplish the same thing as Martin Luther King. When in actuality, Martin Luther King didn't even accomplish that, to be honest. He was bought and paid for by the state. The state controlled the Civil Rights. The state controlled the Civil Rights Act the state control you again like, like we say this i feel like every single episode you can't do anything within capitalism the end goal every single time in capitalism has to do with money and who can make that money right what the here's here's what i want us to know do you honestly honest to god think do you not say its government would go against its own self no what sense does that make? No one they're not gonna do that. They're not gonna go out there. They're not gonna have people uh in their brain quote unquote acting crazy like that's just not what the United States government's gonna do. So what did they do to 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 save they saved black people They did the Civil rights Act. Yep. they push Martin Luther King. They push people like uh Rosa Parks who just sat on a the bus. They don't ever show uh Stokely
0: Carmichael. I, I
1: know, but that's what they say, right? That's what they push to you. And so, uh they don't ever show Stokely Carmichael being the first person to come out and say black power. They don't ever show Stokely Carmichael uh saying how we need to go out there and defend ourselves against the whites. And so, it's it, it is a propaganda machine. Anyway, that's all I got to say about it. It just pisses me off.
0: So you went on the right. I sure did. I sure did. Very nice. So that's that's where we're at now. Obviously we don't have everything, but we do know that one of the reasons why the civil rights movement was not efficient all the way is because the money came in there, it told them what they can and cannot fight for and how they can and cannot fight. Okay, so then once certain things were passed, the Civil Rights Act was passed, once the Voting Rights Act was passed, once they got enough uh, folks registered to vote, it was over with. Combine that with Martin Luther King getting murdered, all these black people getting murdered, just the trauma of, even while being nonviolent, getting beat up. Yep. Not not knowing nothing about mental health, not having the resources all the time because you can't do certain things and get certain money if you say certain things, people were worn out and drained. And that's something that Ann Moody was talking about. I saw some snick, some woman, I forgot her name, I got to find it. One woman who was leading SNCC at the time died at 25 from exhaustion. Some, uh, One of the boys that Ann Moody knows was at, It was 29 years old and died just out of nowhere. That was a stressful movement, and think about it. If you're already going through this type of stress, you've got PTSD, and you realize these folks ain't about no real change, and they're complacent with stuff staying the way it is. I see why they. I see why some folks just get up and left and didn't worry about it no more, because they saw the trajectory of this stuff. Yeah. They saw the NAACP weren't finna fight for people in the South to have a uh, not even livable wages, good wages, to, to reduce the racial uh, wealth inequality, to make sure black people are actually treated like equals. They weren't to do that. So why were these people, these kids, going to give their lives to this system for something like that? And then, of course, you had the Black Panthers, and we see what all happened to that. So I can see why. The movement dwindled out, especially with the drugs and stuff coming in as well. Yeah, that's so. That's
1: another thing that we want to think about. Yeah, uh, I think that, that was
0: the last na- uh, nail in the coffin. To be honest,
1: I think that's another thing we kind of need to think about. Like when we think about history, it's like what no one ever talks about this. But what happened after the civil rights? What happened after? Who was the president? Who? What was being pushed? What happened? after that we got the AIDS epidemic we got the crack epidemic we've got uh, more guns coming into the United States why 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 would that happen think about it again the United States government is not going to do anything or allow anything to happen without a purpose they're just not so all of these civil rights leaders dies then all of a sudden the crack epidemic comes it starts killing out a bunch of black people they start pushing black people again as this negative thing. Not only are they not allowed to to literally, they finally got vote, voting rights, but they're not allowed to literally exist anywhere. And if they do, they're going to send people in and fucking drug them. It's just it's it's literally been since the beginning of time, y'all. White supremacy, white people fucking shit up. Yeah, but I think the good thing about
0: it now is. And I'll tell them that, let me add some drugs to the mix. We know, drugs came, pretty much wiped out uh, a whole generation of people, traumatized all of us. We were already traumatized. Right. So traumatized us some more. So it quelled us for a minute. The 90s came, and then we had hip-hop and stuff like that. Black people started to, the celebrities started to make money. So that kind of quelled us a little bit. And now we're here in 2020. 20 One one but i'm saying the 2020s okay
1: yeah
0: so that's what that's 60 years from back then mm-hmm.
1: not
0: that long ago it's not that long ago but all this stuff has happened and now we got a new generation of people that's coming up so bring it on back i have this information why in the world Are folks still telling us to vote? Anybody that's telling you to vote is an agent of the state and does not have your interest at heart. They bought and paid for just like them folks in the 60s, especially since we know what's going on now. They might not have known back then, but now we know. That is not going to work. The people that were that had the right idea out of folks that's dead the ones that said we have to have black power not even, or or communist power whatever we have to create our own state we have to have a revolution that's the only way that stuff is going to change they dead now those are the ones who had the right idea so why aren't we doing that we cannot be fooled again where it's too much time is being lost right now we wasted too much time we're getting over the trauma we go on to therapy and all that stuff but we cannot make the same mistakes we just can't so anybody that's pushing for this little stuff back then anybody that's trying to use these people back here to quell any dissent that's trying to quell any riots that's trying to quell any uprising they are enemies of the state they're working with white supremacy. They're anti-black and all of this stuff. Yep. And they can go to hell.
1: So this is the, uh, I think it would be a good time to go ahead and wrap it up. But I do want to go ahead and say uh, some of how we're explaining it may seem excessive but I want you guys to look it up. We're going to make sure to add all the links, everything that we read, everything that we found. Uh, all of these are reputable sh- uh, resources. This isn't some bullshit uh, website that you'll find online. This is literally like wikipedia.org and you scroll down to the bottom and it'll have all your resources, the books read, things along those lines. So um, definitely I appreciate you guys um, hanging out with us today and being on the podcast uh, Gabby do you have anything else you'd like to add mm-hmm. this ain't excessive this is real life I'm telling you from my own experience no I'm not saying excessive in that way I'm saying excessive in like the way that people may like ooh, ooh they're they being conspiracy theorists. oh no it's not
0: conspiracy theory because I got the documentary the crazy thing about it is it, this stuff, the information is in documentaries we've seen it but but again, sometimes it's just piecing all that information, and taking a together. step back, contextualizing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's sometimes what we got to do because we learned about Juneteenth. We learned that black people were slaves in the 1960s. Sharecropping is slavery. We know this stuff, but then we go on about our lives. Yeah. We got to stay here, contextualize everything, and then move on. We, so, yeah, it's definitely we not. We got to
1: be, uh... And, you know, that's what we're here for, right? That's what Gabby and I are here for. We're here to build our power and continue on with educating people in regards to what happened and is what is still happening now. Exactly. Okay.
0: And then, of course, the uh, the option and uh, the answer, in my opinion, is a communist society with white people who want to act right and all that <laughs> stuff. So, uh, thank you again, everybody, for listening. Of course, you know, we got a part two. There's so much stuff we can talk about. There's so much stuff that we need to get into, uh, and we'll do that on another episode. But thank you for listening to this one. You can hit us up at building our PWR. Hit up KT at KT underscore does art. And hit me up at Gab Beats Music. This has been Gabby. And
1: KT. And this is Building Our Power.